0: UFO Roundtable. The UFO Thinker and Pursuit of the Paranormal Podcasts.
1: Welcome to this UAP Roundtable. We are actually a little bit late uh, releasing this one due to reasons beyond our control. However, we are here now. And since the last roundtable, which was devoted pretty much exclusively to David Grush's testimony to Congress, it's been a bit of a drop-off. It has got a bit quiet uh, the past month or so, but we have got a few things to talk about. It would have been hard to follow last month anyway, uh, but we are joined as normal by my podcast co-host, Greg. How are you doing?
0: I'm good, thanks. How are you? very well
1: as always the infallible dave smithurst is with us too
2: i like the infallible bit i don't think it's true but i'll go with that yeah hello good to go (laughs) i'm glad to be here and uh, i think we're a bit late but we might see there's a bit more news happened so that was quite good Hmm.
1: for sure and to help us understand this murky state of affairs you've also accrued to one half of the mechanism podcast joining us for the first time in the round
3: table i believe is Ooh. David Johnston? Thanks, Dave. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed. Thanks, and uh, thank you very much for inviting me on this. Unfortunately, my partner in crime, or my crime-fighting partner, whichever <laughs> way around it is, is unable to join us. Although he might, if we're really lucky, pop in later. So fingers crossed. Yeah, for sure.
1: You
0: may hear his voice pop up later. He's got some
3: child wrangling duties to go to, <laughs> <hasn't he?
2: laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, feel that pain. I feel
2: yeah. that
1: pain. <laughs> So, like I say, not going to be as exciting as last month, but there is some well, interesting things emerging. Well, we've got you with us, so we can't really.
0: <laughs>
1: <month>. Greg wasn't here <laughs> was last month.
0: Hmm. I'll pretend I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, so some
1: things have, have emerged last couple of weeks in terms of possible fight back from the forces in the US who mm-hmm. do not want to see disclosure on more, more transparency or political maneuvers linked to this. So, We mentioned Dave Grush and obviously last month, like I say, we had a big episode about the hearings and everything that he was saying coming forward with and there has been backlash uh, in August, which was basically born from an article from the Intercept magazine from the ironically named Ken Kippenstein, who had alleged Grush had had drinking issues, had suicidal ideation and was institutionalized temporarily. Gush himself admitted this and said it was combat PTSD related and he was happy to talk about it. UFO Twitter, UFO X, and others were rightly outraged at what was thought to be a deliberate attempt to smear David Gush, who is obviously as we know a veteran. And Klippenstein said that he got the information from a freedom of information request, but that intelligence community embers had told him where to look. So Obviously, there's a big out-roar out sort of afterwards, after all this happened. So, what do you make of this, and has this damaged Grush's reputation in your eyes? Dave, do you want to kick us off?
2: Yeah, sure, yes, very good. That. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, there was lots of outrage on this. I mean, it was pretty obvious what was going on. There was lots of outrage from Ross, from Jeremy Kerber, Corbell. I thought Corbell was a bit over the top, to be honest with you. He seems to have been a bit over the top since his hearings appearance, to be honest with you. So I think he could just dial it down a notch because I, I, unlike maybe some others, quite quite have a lot of time for Jeremy Corbell, but I think he's a little bit over the top. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, I think uh, it was sort of seen as a more so, a lot of the mainstream politicians were as well pretty outraged because of this big, rightly in America, this combat thing, you know, attacking a veteran, PTSD. All the rest of it. So it's seen as a real obvious smear on a veteran, you know. Now, I thought Grush handled it really well. He was open. He told everybody about it. He told people about it beforehand. And he said he wanted to discuss it to help other people, you know, model sort of response. Then a few people said it was a direct IC leak. Uh, now, Klippenstein came up. What a name Nice Clip I just think it's like a joke name, you know, clipping things up and, you know, and he's a monster, you know. But anyway. He tried to say it first. He found it on the Freedom of Information, but this sort of collapsed because then he went on this Twitter space, if you remember, uh, with Greenwald, who was going to hold it up as some great attack against Grush. He said, oh, yeah, well, the intelligence community actually told me where to look and all the rest of it. So he was just clearly a stitch up, you know, so they tipped him off. So there was clear evidence of dirty tricks, no action taken as usual. Klippenstein was just a buffoon, really. He's a gutter journalist. And uh, also, uh, The Intercept, uh, he said his motivation was because he disbelieved in the UAP story as well. And, I mean, what's that all about? Is he, what's he, is he a journalist? What is he, or a comedian? He sort of, uh, he said he liked to troll people. He then made up he'd been sacked and then laughed at everybody because he fell for his thing. Because he's a journalist, you would try and believe him, wouldn't you? So anyway, I think having him... It, and he was really humiliated if you watch him on the Breaking Points podcast or a proper political interview. he just come away looking like the silly little child he is, really. So, uh, I mean, I think it shows a desperation and non-disclosure forces because they're finding it hard to discredit Grush. And uh, I think using somebody like him, because he's be so verified by the ICIG stuff and all the rest of it, they can't really lay a glove on him. So, he's uh, taking this scattergun approach and seeing what fits... Uh, and I think it's a clear reaction to the hearings. They definitely trying to derail the sort of disclosure train. There's a few other articles come out uh on peripheral things. They didn't stick either. Sweet pieces from the Washington Post and saying where's the evidence when there is clearly the problem to look. So I think it's sort of backfired in the end with key opinion formers, have sort of said, well, we don't believe this, and they've sort of got behind Grush. so I think it's massively backfired. But what I would say is, it has got the message out in some people's eyes that he's a drunk, uh, he's got mental health issues, and, you know, he's gullible, disgracefully said because of his autism. You know, he has got that message out on some level, but I don't think the people who it matters it's really gone for. So that's my view. I think it was... uh, the weaker aspects of the fight back, the grush goal, it was pretty low blow.
1: Yeah, for sure. for sure. Um, like I say, the the when they say I like, try to claim it was late, but then uh, Klippenstein said that basically someone had told him the like the dates and the the sort of the area he had to put these requests into to get to get this information, all very very understand uh, understand underhand. Uh, definitely for sure. Davy. let's come over to you.
3: Yeah, I I think there was a little bit of overreaction from what I would call the, the the UAP supporting side of this. So Ross Coulthard was very quick to say that this was a deliberate attempt to leak his medical records, which due to HIPAA regulations in the US have to be kept confidential. Turned out that wasn't the case and that this had come through a Freedom of Information Act from the local sheriff. Coltart then tried to walk that back a bit and say, oh, well, we spoke to the sheriff. The sheriff said there'd been no Freedom of Information Act request when, in fact, there had. And it just made me think very much of one of the things that Ross Coltart is big on saying is, assume a cock-up before a conspiracy. And he failed to listen to his own words in that, that instance. Because this the, the, there are certainly, as, as Dave has said there, there is intelligence community... At play and at work here in terms of directing Klippenstein to where to get that information. I also think that this is undoubtedly a smear by the, the IC, the intelligence community, but I think it's probably going to backfire. I think that what they have miscalculated is the world that we currently live in, where mental health and mental health illnesses and challenges are the norm. They are open people are able to talk about them i live with depression and anxiety i am probably too frank and open about that but i will talk to anybody about it because for me it's about breaking down the stigma of mental health and i see a parallel there between the uap topic as well that people are trying to stigmatize and it's easier if we talk about it we shine the light on it we bring it out into the open One of the other areas that I'm involved in in this topic is I'm a member of the UAP Medical Coalition, where we seek to provide support to medical professionals so that they can help people understand the UAP issues, and not just the UAP, but other things around it as well. So yeah, I think that this smells of people of a certain generation, let's say, who think that a really easy way to discredit somebody is to say they're a bit loopy when in fact 7% of US vets suffer from PTSD. So it's incredibly common, perfectly normal. My view on this was they'll probably say next, he once smoked some weed and he (laughs) inhaled. They've totally misread the temperature or they're playing to a different audience. Um, And as Dave said, I think that it is an attempt to derail this. It's an attempt to scare off other whistleblowers. But we've heard rumours in the last week or so that there have been people who have bypassed Arrow and Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick and have filed what they call a PPD-19, which is a, a whistleblower act similar to, to Grush. So I think it's probably has unnerved some people, but there's still people who are going forward with this and bringing forward, trying to, again, shine the light on this as well. I also had the good fortune the other week of meeting, along with Ash, at uh, the Awakening Festival event in Manchester. I also had the the good fortune of chatting with James Fox, a film producer who was incredibly excited to leave Manchester and get back to the US, not just because of the torrential downpour and the rain that we had, but because he's got two or three whistleblowers lined up waiting to talk to him when he gets back to the US. So, yeah, definite attempt to derail it. I don't think it's enough.
1: Brill, yeah, nice to... To me. Well, see you again, because we have met uh, previously. Um but yeah, good good stuff. Greg.
0: So yeah, like um has just been said, I think going for a someone's mental health based on the fact that he's a veteran and has been in a war theatre, I think is it's an easy shot. But like like you've you just said david that um i think they've massively miscalculated that i think coming up to the congressional hearings and then we heard it was going to be dave grush dave Fravor and ron graves everybody was a bit like oh i don't know it's not really anybody new we've heard it all before then those three step up and do the business essentially and dave grush comes out like a bit of a hero um certainly to like the uap community so I think anybody who's going to go after him is going to struggle. And if the worst thing they can do is say, oh, he's got PTSD, which, like you mentioned, 7% of vets have got it or have suffered from it, it's not unusual to hear a veteran with PTSD. You hear about it a lot on the news. So, it, again, like you mentioned, it, it's kind of the norm mental health issues now and people suffering it's not a, a fringe thing. It's not something that people necessarily hide away. And I think actually probably helped Dave Grush even more because people can like they're they're almost got his back on on the back of that. Say, well, you're a vet. You've you've obviously some some horrible shit. If you've got PTSD and all this kind of stuff, no wonder you're drinking. No wonder you're probably suicidal at one point. I, I can only imagine. The horrific stuff that these people see. So it is a low blow, and I think it was a cheap attempt that probably has backfired. Turns out that Klippenstein is the son of Stephen Klippenstein, who works for the Department of Energy's Argonne National Laboratory, who is one of the organizations that potentially would be compromised if the existence of alien life was confirmed by the Senate. Therefore, Sounds a bit dodgy to me, so when you when you start seeing the motivations for people's reasons for attacking what appears to be a genuine guy, Dave Grish appears to be a genuine guy, obviously, I don't know him, but all the reports suggest that he's a nice guy, he's a family guy, he even said he's had some horrible stuff, like threatened essentially by to his wife and himself. You have to wonder why why these people are concerned with his mental health. What's that really got to do with it? And when you start looking as to who these people are and their backgrounds, it becomes very murky. And I think when it becomes murky, you have to question all motivations to attack Dave Grish. And I don't think anybody, anybody can really. I think the UFO and UAP community... Um, fully aware of his credentials and the fact that he seems like a sound guy. Um and I, I don't know, it's it's low blows, it's cheap. And I personally think he will come out of this stronger than he went in. He seems to have done from these congressional hearings. He went in as, like I said, it's it's kind of like oh, it's Dave Grush. We've seen his big interview. What what can he possibly say now what can Dave Fravor say now? What can Ryan Graves say now? And then they sit there and everybody's like, holy shit. Ash is messaging me going, it's insane. I'm watching it. I'm watching it. It's insane. And I'm, and you just think it's, it's just a weak attempt. And if that's the worst they can throw at him, that he's got PTSD and he's a war vet, I think he's on to a winner, if that's, if that's a thing really that's because I didn't know the stuff about his dad. And I, I was
1: gonna mention Klippenstein and kind of like like his motives, like why so obviously I think most of us have never heard of him before, he's not really like a UFO uh like reporter or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You've got to think why why would you why would you do this? Why would he drag someone through the mod? What what was his aims? Follow the but money. Now Always follow that, the that money. Can, yeah. yeah, that answers that can answer that question if his dad is possibly somehow mm-hmm. uh, in involved. In
2: all this stuff really just sounds like a bit of a comedy though, isn't it? Because I think the DOD really rattled and I think uh, Rush's testimony did really rattle and they're just casting him around, cast around to see how they can get him and I wonder if that Klippenstein link, hes one of them said, oh yeah, my son works in a journalist, he's just a man for this and that's maybe why he did it, you know. He could be as crap as that but I think really uh, they obviously rattled as I say. Rush's evidence is really solid and it's not been effective but in the 70s, it might have been, but that's a really good point Greg and David both made about the fact that things have moved on now. And it says more about these people and what essentially they're living in, that they think they're smears, than about, you know, anything more about and It just shows a disgraceful sort of gutter that they inhabit, really, don't you know, isn't it? You're so, And I've, we, won't, we haven't probably got time for it our but that stuff with the mental health stuff, particularly around people with European, it's such good work to do particularly people that are experiences and other people who you know, can't really tell the story. I mean, that's fantastic work as well. But essentially, mental health issues, as you say, are becoming people will talk about. I'll talk about issues either if I need to because the more you talk about it, the more people feel they can. But anyway, I think the point is it backfired because things have changed as well. So I think that's a really strong point.
1: Brill, well, got any... Buddy, anything else to add before we move on to our next topic? Nope. Cool. Well, we have a surprise guest. Not quite a surprise, but we do have UK UAP Ash is in the house. How are you doing, Ash?
4: Yeah, good evening, guys. Yeah, all good. Thank you. Finally here. Got my baby monitor next to me, so um, (laughs) I have to rush off again. That's why. But um, no, thanks for having me. Looking forward to speaking with you guys.
1: Nice one. Cool. So the next topic we're going to talk about is kind of on the same the same theme, is the hearings. And it's emerged this month, well, last month, that the influential Mike Turner, chair of the House Intelligence Committee, has been trying to block any further public oversight committee hearings on UAP in Congress. Turner doing this makes it harder for those Congress people to follow up on a testimony. So it's kind of like bit of a roadblock hitting kind of imp- impasse that we're at the minute. So the... Tim Burchett leaked this much to Turner's annoyance but Turner had been doing the rounds saying he did not believe Grush and that there's no evidence and it's on its own infuriated UAP activists given how clear the evidence was and Turner seemed not to read it. This was added to when it emerged that he received massive funding from Lockheed and other reference contractors and Wright-Patterson Air Base, home of some of the alleged crash retrievals and is in his, in his district people began to see a big Department of Defence anti-disclosure rat at play. This mood was not improved when, whilst touring her constituency, Senator Gillibrand, who's kind of been a bit of a spokeswoman leader in in this whole thing, appeared to laugh at what UAPs could be and say that they could have been drones and that Arrow was looking into it. All of this went down badly with the UAP community again and prompted fears that future hearings may be off in the Senate And that Gillibrand was maybe distancing herself from the issue, kind of opposite to how she's been for the past 12 months. So has the fight back begun? And is this going to be something that will succeed? Davey, what's your thoughts on this?
3: So Mike Turner is based in the same area that has wright Patterson Air Force Base and receives money from Lockheed. I think you would probably be hard-pushed to find a region of the US that doesn't have some type of military-industrial facility. They are so widespread across the the US, and some people would tell you that the reason for that is so that these companies have a means of exerting political sway over every region. If you have a facility in each state, you could exert a degree of power over... The senators of those states. Or you can realise that most of these military companies, the likes of Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, have been made up of in some cases 100 years worth of mergers and acquisitions. So the very nature of global business means that lots of small companies are subsumed, are grown out, are bought out by larger companies, they close down the facilities they don't need, they keep the ones running. You look at you look what's happened with banking in the UK, for example. We now have four or five banks. Same with energy companies. You have four or five energy companies. That is the way of the world. Maybe there is more to it than that. I like a good conspiracy theory, but this isn't one I'm going to buy into. Sorry, I'll, I'll I'll be too busy watching the chemtrails. So if we think about this. <laughs> The, it, and this is one of my biggest concerns that I have about this disclosure movement. And I know we have this legislation that they, even the, the the commercial aspects of it, the businesses have to declare whether they have any exotic or non-earth origin materials. But it's impossible, in my opinion, to separate the commercial from the political. And I have my good friend Christian Thompson, aka UAP DB, UAP Database. He planted this seed in my head because we started talking about the East India Company. And for those of you who don't know about the East India Company, the East India Company was set up from the UK by the UK Foreign and Commonwealth Office as a trade, as an industry, primarily to ship goods between the East Indies, the UK, and further afield. Ties right back to slavery ties right back to empire and commonwealth. So when we think about, okay, the US government's been really smart here. They've stashed this material with Lockheed, with Northrop, with McDonnell Douglas, with SAIC, for example. It's not new. The Brits have been doing that for centuries, tying the commercial and the political together. I'm a bit of a Star Wars nut as well. What's the underlying theme in Star Wars? Trade wars. So I, I really do think it's going to be impossible to disengage the political from the commercial. And that's where I see this disclosure movement really stalling. And I get that pushback from the likes of um, Mike Turner and even that you know chuckling laugh. And I think it was more of a chuckle than a laugh from Senator Gillibrand in that interview where she was interviewed within her own constituency. But yeah, I I just I really am cautious about how you're gonna how anybody ever thinks in terms of disclosure you can untangle those two elements.
1: Brill, brill. Uh, some great points. Especially that stuff out all the trade stuff. I mean, it's money, isn't it? You gotta follow always, always follow the, the money train for uh, one of the better word. Ash, do you wanna bring you in on, on this point?
4: Yeah, I'm not sure I have too much to add, really. I think Davey succinctly uh, summed that up quite nicely. But yeah, I tend to agree with him on the point around, you know, let's not jump to assumptions. I think think you're right. You make a really good point there around the sheer amount of military bases across the whole of the United States and how they're distributed. Um, I think it's all too easy when you're interested in this subject to automatically jump to conclusions and, you know, find the conspiratorial link there. Um, I think people do that because they are very invested in the topic very interested in the topic and it's easy to do that but I think I think we do need to be cautious of that um but yeah I, I think we are starting to see this is part of the pushback that everyone's spoke about and I think we're starting to see see that and this is this is one element of that um this isn't really related to this but I've I just I just saw something today around apparently some Roswell footage has been has been released as well of, of crash balloons and things like that it's all like, well, why is that suddenly been released now there's there's clearly a reason for that the timing is just so you know, suspects, uh, and I think that's what we're witnessing here as well. We're, we're just seeing lots more pushback from from every angle, uh, because I think I think they realise, you know, this there's something feels different this time around around what's being released and the, the witnesses coming forward. So, um, yeah, I, I expect to see more of this happening over the over the coming weeks and months. And uh, yeah, I guess we just have to wait and see what what the next what the next skeleton in the closet is they're going to try and pull out and um, you know try to deceive everyone with. But um, yeah. I think that's that's my my take on it at the moment. Sorry, my my mind's still in in baby mode. Um, so.
1: <laughs> for sure, for sure. Greg, do you think this is the start of? I guess, like, say, the pushback on, on all of this. Muted. Still muted.
0: Uh, there we go. Sorry. I think the problem is when they when they first started and the congressional hearings come out, and that first one happened at the, where they showed that it was a bit of a weak attempt. They were trying to rewind video on the fly and they were like, go back a bit, go back, and we'll see this little <laughs> ball go past uh, supersonic speed, past this airplane. And they were going, no, you're good. And they just, it was a bit disorganized. Then you've got, Arrow come into the forefront and Sean Kirkpatrick. Um, and then his attempt, uh, I don't know what he was doing in that um, that briefing, that time when he was sat in with Gillibrand and everybody. Everybody, We were all discussing the fact that he just really didn't even want to be there, which put Arrow on a bit of a back foot, I think, at that point anyway. But then these congressional hearings took place recently with Dave Grush et et al. Um, And you've got people like, whether you like him or loathe him, Jeremy Corbell in the background. It was super high profile. You've got AOC doing some of the questioning as well. She was was questioning people. So you've got these high profile people around um, the hearings. Everybody was hyped up in the UAP community globally, I think. Everybody was super excited. And I think that was a massive turning point. And I think that caught a lot of the previous bunch of senators who probably were, were happy for this joke thing to go along and we, we'll do all this, we'll just do this this initial public hearing, we'll see what happens and we can sort of not do it again because people will be laughing at it as they they assumed people would be. But I think this particular hearing, I think, hammered them. And I don't think a lot of the ones that weren't in that room who were probably against it and are taking money from the likes of um, all the big like military... Um, people like Lockheed, everybody like that who have obviously got their fingers in a lot of pies for swaying um, black budgets. I think it took a lot of them by surprise and this is now them saying, oh shit, we're it, we've are we probably let this go a bit too far. Um, there's a bit too much of a, instead of a ripple in the community, I think it's been a bit of a wave. Um, so again, Dave Grush, they're trying to knock him and then all these other ones going oh we're not we're going to push back i think i think they're too late personally i think there's a bit too much momentum behind it now um and like i say corbell whether you like him or not when i listen to his podcast now um the weaponized podcast since the the hearings and before the hearings I kind of see. He seems to have been quite instrumental in some of it, as, as much as I didn't like to to say it. He he does appear to have been a bit of a driving force, and they could have had Grush years ago. George Knapp could have. So I'm just wondering now if if the powers that be and those in the uh, those in the know that don't want us to come out, it is their fight back. But I don't know if they're too late, personally.
1: Dave, what's your thoughts on this whole topic?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, while the other one about Grush was a bit ineffective because it was a character attack, they're on a bit much safer ground, the forces of uh, non-disclosure, because they're used to manipulating congressional mechanisms and all the rest of it. It's their turf, as it were. We've seen them do it before. Uh, so, I think the first sort of rumblings we saw of that was uh, they started blocking some witnesses for the hearings, if you remember, before they come across. So, they knocked off three of them, at least. Then they denied the use of the skiff on the day, which uh, and they made it awkward for him to set it up. And there's still something going on about removing Grush's uh, security clearance so he can't testify on the skiff. That's still ongoing. It's not entirely clear what they're doing with that. So that was the first indication they had a bit, they were a bit better, but it still didn't stop it. There was also, I think you're right, there was a lot of excitement from all these people on setting up a select committee, and I think that really spooked them. Because that select committee is a bit like that in Godfather Two, where they've got a prosecutor sort of, and they can ask questions and subpoena. It's really serious, and so I think they were trying to scupper that you had uh, and that's when they rolled out mike turner because he's quite powerful he's had an intelligence committee he's got a lot of in stopping things and he said oh it's making the defense look bad but birch it bubbled him really and sort of made that public which he didn't like and i think a few others have come out as well Who, like you're saying david it's all over the place they take care in the u.s to spread it out so they've got influence wide but i think as you were saying Greg, it's a bit too late really uh and I think there's too many people, and like you say, the level of question, I think there's too many of them who are, who are, who are trumping the fact that they're actually, their role has been subverted and they've realised that because you could see with the interest of the questions. So it's almost like, again, too little, too late. But just to talk about uh, Gillibrand, I think that's been a bit overdone because really she was talking to a load of normal people in her constituency. In August, they all go around sort of, you know, fundraising, getting support for upcoming. And so she was talking to a lot of, you know, inverted commas, normal people who knew nothing about UAPs. And I thought she was just trying to jolly it along as a not, because, you know, it sounds a bit weird talking about it. And I think, with Gillibrand, you should judge her more on what she's done than rather what she says. And she is a presidential candidate. So I think what I actually think is going on here is the Senate is closed for April, yeah? There's a lot of people getting worried, worried, but nothing's happening, so nothing can happen. And in that vacuum, various different people are getting a bit overexcited. The UAP people are worried that something's going to happen, so they're being overly pessimistic. Rox Coulthard does a great line in that, really. And you've got other people, and you, I think, the, uh, as I say, the Pentagon people have realised it's a bit too late. And I think they're overreacting to, as I say, what's her name, uh, Senator Gillibrand. But there's nothing actually to suggest that the planned senatorial hearings in September have been stopped. People are still they're doing a lot of preparation for them. There's a lot of people being called. That work's ongoing. So we think they're going to happen sometime in late September, those hearings. That's still going ahead. As you said earlier in the last answer, David, there's a lot of people who are still coming forward. are all, all. There's a lot of, there's about partly over 60 people now already to come forward. Loads of people to they've got these little... Syndicates of different ex intelligence people who are helping them bypass Arrow and taking them directly to the Congress, you know. So that's still ongoing. That does something have stopped it. Uh, there's also, if you remember, in Veil flits before it happened in 21 and before that from Lou and all, everybody else saying, if you, and James Fox, as you mentioned, saying essentially, if you don't play ball on this, we're going to release it anyway. And we've got a lot of indication that that sort of guns being pulled out of the holster, as it were. So we're, uh, I think, as I, I think really, so what we said is it's a bit excitable in August, but I think, as you were saying, it's already gone too far for them to stop it. And I think in that other pod we did, I think what will happen is, because Davey's right, the, the sort of military-industrial in, in complex is too important for them to compromise. So, really, they'll just subsume into it and make them part of it. Now, if you read Chris Sharp's article, apparently Lockheed were, were into this because they couldn't get enough people to work on the programmes because they are too compartmentalised. So what we'll probably see is a readjustment in the relationship between the people working on this stuff and the US government. And that's probably what will come out of this in the end. Uh, but they certainly won't. Be, I don't think they'll be pilloried, the, uh, the industrial things. They'll just become part of the solution rather than part of the problem. So as I say, I think we'll see the proof of the pudding in September, and this may just prove to be a rather ineffectual but more effective element of the fight back. So that's what I think. Yeah, I
1: think the, the, the important point you mentioned here at the start about the skiffs and uh, whether David Gush will have the clearance to actually of that because obviously, when you go back to the, the hearing, it was like, Yeah, I can give all this information, names, projects, locations, people, dates, everything, but I do it in, in these skiffs if they're going to prevent that from happening it kind of thinks oh well what what where do we go from here it's kind of it keeps at that level of a hearsay type thing where you're not actually passing information to the people that want to that want to hear it Uh, so it just seems to be a bit of a a sort of a downplay recently on on that side of it anyone got any response dave on his thoughts Ash
4: yeah, I was just going to say a bit on the skiff. I mean, I'm not an expert in kind of US security clearances, but I mean, surely they can do that. That's fine. But um, the fact of the matter is he still knows this information. So surely if someone of authority wanted to obtain that information from him, there would be a mechanism that would allow that to take place. Um, I don't see by removing his or revoking his security clearance, it would suddenly mean he can't talk about it. Yes, there might be a specific location he needs to talk about it in a skiff, so it is secure and, you know, it's free from... Electrical interference, and you know it's all done officially, et etc. Um, but I don't see how that's going to prevent him from being able to divulge the information to the relevant people. It just seems like a a feeble attempt at trying to trying to silence him, in my opinion. Um, but like I say, I'm not I don't know the ins and outs, but um, I do remember hearing on the Weaponized podcast, like you were mentioning, Greg. I'm pretty sure George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell said they'd been in a skiff, and neither one of those is security cleared. So there clearly is a way that people without security clearance can um, go into skiffs or provide that information. So I think that might be a little bit of a diversion we're seeing there.
2: Yeah, it seemed pretty unclear. I, it's all a bit murky, isn't it? What it actually means, because the implication was he couldn't talk about it to anybody because he's clear as a midsection. And I agree. with I thought the same as you. I thought, how does that work? So it's a bit murky. Mm. Yeah, like you said, he's just clutching at straws, really, aren't he? And trying to throw a bit of shade. On I
4: mean, him. if anything, it's gonna—it's just gonna make his. It's going to make it harder for him to obtain work and and carry on doing what he's doing, isn't it? It's just to frustrate him and, and make his life as, as hard as possible. I think is is, is re- the real reason behind the the revocation of security clearance or the attempt to.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think Ash's point though is they are desperately trying to stop it. The other Ash, sorry. <laughs> he's definitely trying to stop him taking it beyond hearsay. Because imagine if he would have gone at that skiff that day when he said he said, "Oh, I can tell you exactly." Do you remember, he said that in the hearings. Then he would have reeled off the list. God, they must have all been really sweating at that point. Didn't they? you know the people the, the people who want to keep it quiet. So I don't know. But it's small beer, isn't it, in the scheme of the things? It's only going to stop him temporarily, if at all. You know.
0: What I did want to say quickly is, you know, we talked about whistle whistleblower protection. Many roundtables ago and the fact that whilst they can't be seen to be actively um, having a negative impact on these whistleblowers this is probably how they will start to do it that they'll block people they'll start to bring out dirt on them trying to discredit them rather than blocking them from future roles they'll make them unemployable Essentially, and make them a liability just purely from their background and things that they've been through. So, this could be the way that they're going to try and attack whistleblowers without circumventing the Whistleblower Act. So,
2: well, if you remember, we said the profile would be older people who are near retirement or who retired for that basis Mm -hmm. on that very basis. And that's probably what I would suggest we see. People like Grush are very rare. Who are so committed and brave, you know, to sort of gamble everything and you know for the truth. There's not many of them to the pound, i will you.
1: Anything to add,
3: Davy? Not on that one. Other than if you go to um, the DNI website on ICIG whistleblower uh, information, there are some quite interesting timelines around the times in which they have to process. An ICIG complaint similar to that that David Grush has done, with the first being that they do an internal agency review, which takes 60 days. It then comes out to um, an external review panel, and there's a further 270 days. So there are some timelines around these actions, and a lot of people are saying, Oh, well, what's happened with with his ICIG complaint? And I don't think anybody, I don't think I've heard anybody ask Ross Coulthard or Jeremy Corbell or George Knapp. If they know what the timeline is around updates on this um, whistleblower complaint, and I think that would be a really interesting avenue for further investigation and exploration.
2: Yeah, really good point.
1: Well, anybody anything else to add before we move on? So we kind of stick again into the same sort of area. Some news that's come out this week, in fact, is the launch of a new website for the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, Arrow. It's got this brand, spanking, posh kind of um, website. Uh, so just a quick look on the front page. It's got a message in there for Sean Kirkpatrick, who is the, the Arrow. I talked about it. Basically, it's going to be a website where military personnel can basically submit any sort of UAP. Kind of report to to them uh, through the website, which is coming soon. How long it will be before we see it? Not, I'm not too sure. Um, and what I thought was interesting is he mentions on here about civilian pilots as well, so that they have their own reporting kind of process through the air traffic control, which then gets passed on to them from the uh, federal federal aviation or federal Aviation Administration. I'm not sure we've heard too much about that in the past. but they? I will receive reports from the FBA. I'm not sure that's something I've not personally looked into too much, Whether you guys have yeah, I'm not sure. So what do you make of the website? Greg, if you had a look at
0: it. I'm on it now. Um, interestingly, everything's coming soon. And where you try and submit a U.S. government UAP related program stroke activity report, you can't. So at the moment, (laughs) it's essentially not worth the paper it's written on. So I I think for, for all the good it does and highlights it, the fact that it doesn't even work seems like another blocker that we go look you can report all this stuff we give you mechanisms you can go via a vpn so we don't even know who you are to begin with and then you go on there because you you're all of a sudden you go right i'm i'm fired up grush has done his thing has done his thing ryan graves has done his thing let's do this go to press the button and lose your bottle because you can't do anything and i think it's a that kind of seems to have summed up Arrow from from day one. It promised the world and slightly under delivers. Um, slightly? It's a, it's, a lov- it's a lovely little website. <laughs> it's a lovely website, nice and clear and basic. Um, unfortunately, it just do not work, really. Um, and I don't know if they list any telephone numbers or an email address you can send something to. Um, I'm just having a look now. No, basically <laughs> it doesn't even tell you. Um, I'm just going on the FAQs. Um, how can I share information with Arrow? Um, uh, they should report to military personnel should report through their command or service in accordance with admin joint staff, whatever. Um, Civilian pilots are encouraged to promptly report UAP sightings to air traffic control. I can't see them doing that. And general public will announce when a reporting mechanism is available for use for others. So at the moment, the website is practically useless because it doesn't tell anybody anything different than what they would have to do through their line of command anyway. So it's all noise to me. I'm taking a leaf out of your book, Ash. (laughs) I'm not going to be very pessimistic about it all Uh,
1: yeah who wants to go next who wants to talk about the website Davey
3: yeah I first of all think it shows the the sort of the disdain with which this has been treated shows a terrifying level of dare I say it arrogance I don't know pardon the (laughs) pun very
2: good Um, Davey
3: The first time I tried to get onto the website, it locked me out and I spent 40 minutes trying to get into it, Ash. I think I'd just been locked (laughs) out, so sorry for that reference. Um, No, I think it's awful. My 10-year-old daughter could design a better website. It's clearly been pushed along. Um, What I would suggest anybody to do, if you're in the website now as you're listening to this, which, of course, I know everybody will be, go to the search box at the top and type in the word retrieval. So crash retrievals is a big topic. It's what David Grush has been talking about through his whistleblower ICIG complaint. It links to two PDF documents, but you can't access them. They've Both pages have been subsequently removed. So they sit there somewhere and there's somebody far better at website um, penetration than me could probably get there through a SQL injection or somewhere like that. There's techniques for finding these web, these pages, but yeah, So that tells you everything you need to know about it. The website itself is just an absolute joke, isn't it? Designed by a 10-year-old and put together by a 4-year-old. And that's not a criticism of young children. It's just that they're far better than (laughs) we are. Perhaps, again, this is a reflection of the people, and the generation and the age of the people that we are coming up against in this topic and that they are um, slightly far removed from reality, let's say. Um, The other thing I would say about it as well is... There's been news recently that um, the Deputy Secretary of Defence has now taken a more prominent role with Arrow, a lady by the name of Kathleen Hicks, and she's she said that she believes that transparency is a critical component of Arrow's work. She's committed to sharing their discoveries with Congress and the public, and consistent with their responsibility to protect critical national defence and intelligence capabilities. But just nothing... There and I think she's she's probably come in, jumped all over Kirkpatrick and team, and forced this to happen. Probably much to the chagrin of uh, of a certain Mr. Ron Moultrie, who was the, the previous reporting line for Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick.
1: Ash, you got something to add, I believe, on this.
4: Yes, Davey was saying about the PDF documents. I've literally, uh... Well, I've just managed to find them because somebody, luckily, um, when when that page was obviously live, has archived it on the Wayback Machine, which is a really good website for finding uh, websites that are no longer active or the pages have been deleted. And it's actually a PDF document looking at it. And I've seen pictures of this uh, on on uh, X or Twitter, whatever we want to call it these days. But it's basically a, a slide deck for the US Defense Department and the UAP mission uh, by Sean Kirkpatrick. Um, it's unclassified level but it's interesting why they've removed it but it's basically the slide deck I don't know if people saw some screenshots of, uh, during the week but it, um, people were talking about this, this sphere um, clip art that was used or something it was like an object um, It was it was an object that was in the bottom right hand corner of this document and it was stock imagery basically but it talks about uap signatures and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's interesting why they've removed that what's in that document that's you know, they don't know you know no longer want on the website or perhaps there's some errors in there uh, but it is actually you can actually find it on the wayback machine if you type in the internet uh, the full address um that that's showing the link dead to so yeah that's just interesting why they've removed that i'll have to have a proper dig through it now now um now we know it's there, um, but yeah, in relation to the website itself, I agree with David. I think it looks really basic. It's like the worst website wireframe ever. It literally looks like something out of the nineties. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, that's meant to be a professional site from from the like you know U.S. Department of Defense. It's it's pretty shocking. Uh, one thing I did find of interest though is if you go right down to the bottom, there's a big logo that says Veterans Crisis Line, which which is great, you know, helping veterans through through you know crisis, mental health, etc. <laughs> But why have they had to make it so prominent? It's almost like there's that that subtle subliminal link to, oh, look, David Grush has got mental health problems. Um, If you're on this website, it's clearly because you've got mental health problems. And it's that, I don't know. Maybe we'll jump to conclusions here, but it it seems interesting. I've checked on a couple of other uh, U.S. Department of Defense military websites, and I can't see that on there. So it's interesting why they've decided to put that on there, bearing in mind their core mission and the actual whole idea behind the website. They haven't even got that bit sorted yet, but they've had the the thought of, oh, well, we should put the veteran support logo on there. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bit cynical, but I I just found that instantly uh, suspicious when I looked at it.
0: If you, if you look at stuff over the years, I don't think the governments and the people that set up all this stuff do anything by accident. I think there's a lot of it is controlled. They control everything. Like they've not got that submit button. They put the, so probably somebody's scrolling all the way up and down to see how else they can contact. They come across that button, like you just say, Ash and they go, Oh shit. Mm. Maybe I won't. I mean,
2: I mean, I was laughing at that because I thought that like, you'd probably be quicker ringing them, but it would to try and go through Arrow to try and report something, wouldn't yeah. you? Given most of the people are veterans, you know what I mean? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I did it. You might be right, but I'm not doing anything by accident. But they really are. I mean, this I always say:ing with bearing, wearing big red shoes and driving a clown car, but it explodes when it gets into the ground. This lot It's absolutely is useless. I mean. If you, the reason Kathleen Hicks is involved, she should have been involved six months ago. I heard that spokesman said, oh, yes, it's great. She's really got an eye on it. She should have been there six months ago. And it's that embarrassing that she's had to dive in and maybe because it's just pathetic, isn't it? I mean, basically, I mean, we've had the accusations of slow progress, but it's particularly embarrassing that they've got a website that's not up and running 18 months after it was mandated. Absolutely ludicrous. And they've just been, they've basically been having a laugh. Sticking two fingers up, or one finger up, I suppose, in the States, everybody would say we're not doing it. I mean, it was on Moultrie's desk at Christmas, apparently. And what's he done since? And then it was embarrassing after Kirkpatrick started to complain that whistleblowers were circumventing him and not going forward because people were being nasty about him. And in fact, they couldn't go anywhere because the website wasn't up and running. I mean, how ludicrous was that? I mean, it's absolutely pathetic. You can, so, get a web, uh,
0: you can get a website up and running in a few minutes nowadays. Exactly. It's not, Even I could do it. It's not like um, back in the old days where you used to have to webmasters and all that kind of stuff. Like you, you mentioned, Davey, kids can put a website up in probably minutes nowadays well, we
4: have we have ai as well you can literally tell it what you want it to do and it will, it will yeah, create a yeah, template. Yeah, and it looks yeah. 10 times 100 times better than that so there's, yeah, yeah. There's
2: well, excuse. Um, but i mean so last week it was launched and it's got a mission statement a vision statement and all the rest of it is stuff that just from his old slides i recognized everyone i mean uh, people were getting excited about that uh you know when he mentioned craft recovery as if that was something it wasn't He'd that PDF unless us did. They're a bit sensitive about that. But that was that was just what he put before when he was trying to write that fantasy island a few months ago about because uh, he was doing this presentation and he realised that he'd not done anything at all that was linked to the original NDA. You know all the different things they had to do. So he put on his slide: "This is what we're going to do in the future to address all these issues." That's all that is. If you read it, I've read it. It's just the same crap that he put up before. They've got the famous, free famous videos from the New York Times saying they're unresolved, and now they, and the only other ones are things they, they they think they've resolved or or whatever. So and they're saying in the future apparently they're only going to put resolved unclassified ones on. Well, that narrows the field a little bit, doesn't it? What's the point of that? I mean, I'd rather they put things that, that were unresolved that they didn't know about. But it's just the same stupid. Fantasy Island, cobbler's place they live in. We've got Rush on one side saying we know about it, and we've got Arrow with the fingers in their ears going, la, 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 trying to take us back sort of 10 years to where, wherever where we are now. So there's nothing new, I don't think. It's just a load of window dressing, really, thrown together to eye and the, the same dodgy sophistry that they're employing, really. Uh, the bottom line is nobody's got any faith in Kirkpatrick, have they? Any statements? He's lack of progress. And if they want to get rid of the whistleblowers have got no faith in him. That's why they circumvent narrow. So if they want to really reboot that office, they need to get rid of him. And that's the bottom line. Nobody's got any... It's, it's just a, a living metaphor for how they don't care. and, and then I mean, how they can talk about transparency and whatever openness. I mean, it's been an absolute... Kathleen Hicks should hold her... Kathleen Hicks should hold her head in shame at having I mean, this bunch of jokers that she's over. Behaving like this, it's absolutely disgrace. Anyway, just a couple of last points. When I, my blood pressure goes down slightly, uh, uh, firstly, just remember the arrow report is still delayed. Should have been in June. they were going on, oh, well, it's not ready for August. I thought forget about August. It was June. It should have been out. It's still not done that. And I wonder why this is. Is it linked to? Is it linked to Grush's testimony? And he can't keep up this cobbler's line of no evidence of whatever. NHI craft, because that's crucial. can't say extraterrestrial anymore now. It's NHI if he goes into legislation, and that means he can't use his little weasel words to get out of it as easily. Uh, But anyway, I wondered, there has been rumours from old Sharpie that he said in Liberation Times that he's been given a crash craft by somebody or some material. Now, if he's actually got that in the department, he's probably put it somewhere in a broom cupboard, hasn't he, and tried to test the cleaner to ignore it, you know, go around it. But he can't maybe he can't quite say he's no more Ever he don't know what to do. So maybe that's it. And then you've also got his partners in Crime NASA who are in the same fantasy island as he is. Their report's been delayed as well. And why is that? I mean, I presumably but Bill, what's his name? Bill Nelson's sort of rolled out of whatever office he's in and said, uh, what we're reporting on, oh, well, we're just going to talk about ways we can spot UAPs. Oh, yeah, we spent, oh, yeah, well, six, well, yeah, ways we can look at them. Have we looked at our hackers? Oh, no, no, we're not. We're nowhere near that yet, Bill. And he's probably said, we're going to look like a load of idiots here. What are you doing? And so the, and I think the report, they're trying to revamp it. And I also think, and I thought this when Grush was testifying, they were one statement away from being exposed as being complicit in what they've been doing, whereas we all know what they've been up to for the last 30, 40 years. I thought and I think they've realized that if they put a report out some nothingburger report they're going to look stupid if something comes out so both these organizations are in some sort of stasis truth stasis because they dare not say anything because whatever one wrong step and they'll be exposed as the charlatans they are so yes yeah, so I really enjoyed the new website as you can tell and it really I, really, <laughs> I thought it was a, the only thing is i suppose forget about us they have got a website and that does raise the profile so that's while I'm being very negative, the fact of its existence is, I suppose, a positive for people who aren't that much into it. So there you go. That's my stunning class, review Steve. of their <laughs> website. I
3: think, I think Dave's Hello? been abducted, been <laughs> shot
1: down. Um, but yeah, I think Dave's like the... what he's
0: talking about <laughs>
1: disconnect. <laughs> I think that was a quite unanimous um, across the panel uh, regarding uh, the Arrow website. <laughs> One thing I didn't notice is, if you scroll down to the bottom, you go on the Education and Resources tab. The trackers. The trackers. You've got Space yeah. Object Trackers, ISS tracker, Aircraft Trackers, Balloon Trackers. Satellite Trackers. Where am I going? At the very bottom. Uh, I think that's quite a good Instagram.
4: idea, though. I think that's quite good to have that, because... You, you probably do get a lot of people who just jump to conclusions and Go, oh, it must be a UFO, and they do they do no due diligence or actually an investigation themselves. And like these basic little tools can actually go. Well, actually, yeah, is a satellite or is you know is at the ISS passing or something. So I kind mm-hmm. of get their point on that. They only want the quality reports, and you kind of you want to try and filter out the crap, don't you? Really, and any anything that is going to them, you want to make sure first and foremost, well, will have you done your due, due diligence before we investigate it. So um, I think that's a good idea
0: balloon Tracker's is a good one actually yeah i've
4: not I, heard well, of that, that
0: one before it. no <laughs> i wonder how fast they got that up faster yeah. than the website <laughs> i expect
2: hey I'm, ba- I'm back now how far did i get to lads where, where did i finish
0: we saw you get abducted through the window, and that was yeah, it. Yeah, that's
2: right. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did I finish. A
4: pack and...
2: Was that going on about NASA? Did you hear that bit? Because I was talking yeah. to myself. Like, yeah, all right. Well, I'd, I, you probably heard the best of it then. I just had to be sedated then. A load of medics run in and sedated me. Uh, <laughs> after, after, And that, I, the bit you might not have heard me say <laughs> was that at the end of it all, at least it's out there for the public. So for the people who aren't informed, it's probably good visibility. So I did have one positive remark in a sea of, negativity. <laughs> Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, we're just talking about
1: the, the trackers that are on there as well. Uh, as oh, yeah. s- as someone who I'm investigating UFOs on a weekly basis when reports that come into UFO identified and these are all t- tools that we use as part of, site. Like the basics it's, we have a checklist we go through and we'll check all of these different types of programs for each site and I guess like you say Ash about weeding out the good ones from the ones that are the space station, whatever. But it's kind of, to me, it's interesting. It's on there. I think it's kind of like, is it them just saying, yeah, this explains it all. Rather than like, don't, don't, I was thinking that this just explains
4: everything. It's that subliminal kind of like thought planting again, isn't it? Um, but then also on the flip side, is it also the fact that they're a small department, they literally don't have the resources to thoroughly investigate stuff, so they kind of want you to do most of the investigation before it gets to them. Um, so yeah, it could be either of those, couldn't it? Or a bit of both.
2: Yeah, I think it's, they can't be bothered employing anybody else because they might actually find something. I think that's more accurate. Uh, don't look too hard, boys. Don't look too hard. Yeah, no, no, that's what I mean. They didn't even the record truck him, truck yeah. did they? The new, it was. Was it Salas, the nuclear? They had to ring him up and ask him for his notes at the interview because he hadn't recorded it. And they hadn't How pathetic is that? And I can only think they didn't record it because they didn't want to have any evidence of anything they didn't want to investigate. That's the only reason I can think for that. Absolutely useless.
0: It's almost scandalous. It is oh, like well. scandalous, to say the least. If that was the UK politicians and all this was kicking off, you can imagine what... PMQs would be like on a Wednesday afternoon yeah. Keir Starmer would be going yeah. apeshit. Get the popcorn yeah. out yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would tune into that specifically. Yeah, I listen to the PMQs a lot <laughs> yeah, and they go at each you. other any excuse yeah. and but this would take the biscuit I think it
2: would really be something to yeah. be, some <laughs> sight to behold that would. We should maybe do that at Christmas do some sort of sketch you know with a Prime Minister, yeah Sean, Sean Kirkpatrick question Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> John, do you believe what you were saying, yes or no? <laughs> anyway, I can think of a few now. All right.
1: <laughs> so, moving on, something completely a little bit different. This is a couple of weeks old now, uh, as we're recording this. Uh, but a very interesting, I guess, a few days occurred uh, from Peru, as there was reports of attacks in the Amazon jungle in Peru, on terrify villages by reported seven foot aliens floating off the ground, attacking villagers, wearing shiny shoot shiny suits with body armor and trying to abduct villagers including a fifteen year old girl. The story was taken extremely seriously by the Peruvian media. Some videos emerged, some very interesting videos, and the Navy recorded in to restore calm. Shortly after this, the local police blamed it on the local miners wearing jetpacks trying to scare villagers off their land it paints quite a picture um some gold miners with jetpacks and guns or whatever the hell they've, they've got on them so what do we make of this it kind of gone kind of a bit quiet since it kind of happened a couple of weeks ago but what's the panel's thoughts on this is was it a total hoax is it as they say is it these gold miners with jetpacks, or is it something a bit more sinister,
2: Dave? S. Right. Okay. Well. Right. Let me calm down from the website now, and I'll be trying to give you. A... Well, I, well, the first thing is, there has been over the years in the Amazon cases of miners intimidating the local population and trying to scare them from the land from the mine. They mainly do it on water, and they do that sluicing of you know water on the banks of rivers. But uh, there's also been a long history of reports of these strange creatures operating in the Amazon jungle from a lot of different people from Brazil. This is Peru, but it's all like, linked right the Amazon. So uh, it's also true to say the villagers are all armed. They don't scare easy, and they normally fight these. Uh, you know these people when they come and scare them. They're not stupid. They don't go, oh my god, you know. So, but uh, I think. In the videos they were actually terrified They were scared to death and as i said they don't scare easy and they clearly for me had seen something now we've got reports of these seven foot creatures shiny suits power cloaking invisibility body armor shot point blank and they got up floating a few feet off the ground trying to abduct people particularly younger people and a young girl of 15 was nearly taken now There's also some pretty intriguing footage taken as well, but seems pretty genuine in terms of people's reactions and seeing something quite weird. The point is, I cannot see anybody in the deep Amazon jungle rolling around in a jetpack, can you, at ground level, flying around, not without being turned into mincemeat very quickly. There's no chance. I think it's just
3: absolutely ludicrous.
2: And when I heard the explanation of these sort of... uh, Craze cartel sort of influence jetpack flying sort of miners, you know, who, who are all highly, you know, mostly uneducated, hardly got any money themselves, and are just basically slewing a load of what. I thought there's no chance, and it was quite obvious when they were talking. But this ludicrous story of these jetpack miners, which sounds like some sort of game from the 80s, uh, was just concocted to rep- to fit the reported facts. That's for me now. I, as you know, I I, I like the crypto stuff and it took my eye because it fits a load of factors of the crypto profile, the suits, the floating off the ground, the cloaking, all these things. I won't go into it now. But for me, it does fit a definite profile over what's going on now. But even whether you think that's right or not, clearly something for me, non sort of prosaic has gone on really. And uh, I think if you look at the, Crypto profile. What tends to happen when you get these sort of appearances? It's when the homes or the habitat of whatever these others are, where who are living there. The theory is they're living underground or wherever in these isolated places. The jungle being a good place to do it. When they get disturbed or something happens, then they come out and start taking it out on the local population or whatever, behaving in this manner. Now, I so I think something disturbed them. I'll shut up in a minute, but I just finish this bit. There was. Apparently, which hasn't been reported, a massive military exercise going on in that part of the jungle. It had Brits, Americans, loads of different South American uh, armed forces. A massive exercise at the time down there, and that was reported by a fellow called Timothy Alberino, who did a brilliant program on it on Jimmy Church. Now I know Jimmy Church isn't to everybody's taste, but he does do some good interviews, and this was one of them. And so I wondered if something else. Uh, something had disturbed whatever this was in the jungle and they'd sort of come out. Or, and this is probably a bit too conspiratorial, whether there was some sort of operation being mounted against them. And this was the consequence, because it does seem in South America you do get reports, uh, unlike other parts of the world, like Calaris and all that, where there's more violent action taken by whatever seems to be down there. So for me, something happened. It fits the crypto. I don't believe the explanations. I don't, I'm not saying I don't believe, it, I definitely believe it, but I just think it's too convenient the way it's been explained away. Uh, and so for me, I think there's something to it. And I find it particularly interesting because of my interest in the crypto profile. So I admit my bias there.
1: Ash, uh, it's God's, it's to, go to Yeah.
4: The... So, um, yeah, when I first heard about this, I instantly thought of you, Dave, and thought, that is the crypto profile right there because I'm interested in this as well. I also thought has someone been watching The Mandalorian too much because, you know, there's a lot of jetpack, there's a lot of mining going on. So, yeah, there's a bit of a Star Wars uh, link there as well. Uh, but, no, getting back to the seriousness of it, I mean, it, it's just preposterous when you start looking at what it would take to for this explanation to actually make sense. I mean, these jetpacks, yes, they exist, but they're not exactly easy to use. You need to be quite proficient with it. You need to have the training that's not even mentioning the cost of them you know they're hundreds of thousands of pounds these bits of kit then you've got to think about the fuel the fuel's not necessarily easy to obtain you're talking about jet jet grade fuel aviation fuel are you really going to have that in the jungle um then like you mentioned dave actually the the practicalities of using this bit of kit in the jungle you know the terrain is 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 not the right terrain to be using it The, the risk of you just shooting off and going into the straight into a tree and you know it, it, it's just bonkers you know um so yeah I, I don't think the jet you know it was um it was miners using jetpacks you know do do organized crime groups that run some of these these mines potentially have have the means and the funds to do it yes they might do that you know the big cheeses, that the main players but the average person digging it you know digging the mines aren't going to, like you're saying dave they can barely rub you know two things together themselves let alone buy a jetpack um so yeah it just makes no sense to me and when we talk about the actual witnesses as well you know these people yes they live in remote locations but they're not like an uncontacted amazonian tribe you know they know what's going on in the world they have access to the internet mobile phones so it's not like they they don't know what they're looking at you know it's not like they've never seen a sci-fi movie or they've never seen you know a human being wearing a a suit or you know they, they can tell the difference between something that's that's normal or something that's a bit out of this world so i think we need to give them a bit more credit as well and like you were saying they, they, they seem genuinely quite scared in some of these clips as well and you've got to ask yourself question what what reason do they have to lie you know these people lead a simple life what are they getting out of this other than more hassle more grief and and more emphasis on on probably what is already a tough place to live anyway um and I, I think it's really interesting how it kind of was a big thing and then it, the lid was put on it really quick and suddenly other news got in the way and nothing's really been said about it. Um which which I find really interesting. And to touch upon your point, Dave, around what was actually going on, what caused it, if these are the others or the crypto thresholds, we're even gonna refer to them as, um, which is very speculative, but if it is them, how do we know that the miners haven't been attacked too? You know, because they're not exactly gonna report it, are they? Because they're doing illegal you know, they're carrying out legal activities, so um, perhaps they've been digging into areas they shouldn't, and it's you know it's provoked this reaction. Um, that's another theory, potentially. I don't know, but yeah, I, I'm with you on that, Dave. Um, something's a little bit fishy here. Certainly not. I certainly do not prescribe to the explanation that's been given at all. I think it's ridiculous.
3: David, you two have just convinced me. I came into that. <laughs> I I came into this thinking this is just another distraction. You know, we're we're in that pushback phase. We've seen with the smear campaign against Grosh. We've seen with the, the the sneaked out video of Gillibrand giggling at the at the topic. And with them, we had the MH370 video, which Ash and I have talked about as well. Just absolute bonkers, you know. Distraction. Look at the bright shiny thing. Don't pay attention to what's really happening. But you two have actually done a really good job there to make me stop and think a little bit. Um, so. The cost of a jet pack is about 300K, $300,000, $300,000. So expensive, very expensive, hard to fly, hard to fuel. If you have access to a 300K jetpack, do you use it just for scaring the locals? There are better ways to scare them. You just simply go in and you kill two of them. Yeah. There is a long history in South America of... So the the the, the name that these um, aliens were given by the locals was Los Pelicadas. Which is the face peelers. And there is a long history of gangs, of syndicates involved in mining, in drug trafficking, in people trafficking trafficking in South America, taking somebody, cutting the face off, and dumping them in a river. You can find stories about Los Pelocaros going back 10, 15 years, normally written by people from a, a religious support group locally that is having to deal with the aftermath of this and deal with the support to people. So there's definitely easier and better ways to scare somebody than be flying through the air. But what I really love, and this this speaks to something in me that I'm still not sure about, is that we have this idea that this is a almost like a primeval, a folkloric-type story and legend. And yet, the way that the, the, the head of the tribe described them was as the Green Goblin. So just as you were saying there, Ash, about they have access to modern media, they do... And the way that the modern media informs the myth making, the storytelling, I find really interesting. I think there's more to be for us to understand there about how we view and interact with the the anomalous and the unusual, and how we use modern media to create that frame of reference. I think that for me, that's what this story tells um, about us as as people and our interactions with those things we don't understand.
0: Greg. I don't even know what to add to that. All three of you are just—I don't know. I don't know. Um, do you think I, I haven't really got anything more to say? I mean, who knows what actually happened? That's that's the thing. I mean, for example, and I'm just throwing it out here. Don't shoot me as I'm as I'm saying this. But if you watch the Stephen Greer whistleblower presentation thing that he did, with all these people come out, there's one. Ex military guy who said that they were in the the forest. They came across these unbadged military personnel type people with advanced tech because there was this weird pyramid um, UFO type thing hovering. Who's to say it isn't just some military psyop? That it's ideal because you, if you can. Make it out to be something it's not. You can shut it down quite quick because you go, these people, they don't know what they're on about there. They, like you mentioned, they can't really say much because a lot of the stuff they're doing is illegal anyway, so they go quiet. And who's going to believe these these people, um, the locals, when, I don't know, what, what do they know type thing? That's looking at it from, say, a privileged first world point of view it's like well they just live in the jungle but like you said ash is um what have they got to lose by speaking out that's the other the flip side it's like if we've talked all the way through today and this episode about following the money following the motivation why are these people doing what they're doing there's no motivation for these people to say what they're saying. And I think you were bang on there, Ash, that all they're doing is ruining their reputation, essentially. And you could almost say the same for David Grush. They're they're stepping out, these people, saying stuff, probably in the knowledge that they're going to be ripped into by the the media. Because who, who loves nothing more than putting some kind of front page that says, local sea, wild flying aliens, killing people and all this kind of stuff in the forest, it it writes the headline itself and it's perfect for the Daily Mirror or the Star or something like that. So initially, I thought it was potentially a a, a, some kind of Black Project military thing, out in the middle of nowhere doing their thing, but then listening to Dave and Ash... um, kind of go, well, actually, yeah, why wouldn't it be or why couldn't it be something more down to earth, as it were, um, and non, why am I always looking at something saying it's a black project? Why am I always thinking a lot of these things is distraction and whatnot? Why can't it be crypto terrestrials? Why can't it be something unusual, so I'm massively on the fence, I don't even know what to think anymore.
2: I mean, you've got to remember in Peru, they were absolutely gripped the nation, it was all being reported properly seriously, so they had to shut it down pretty quick, and they come up with this sort of cobbled together story from what I can see, but absolutely fitted all the things. I mean, the thing about Greer and all the rest of it, he's got he's got a very t- bad track record of vetting his uh, people, so he has good witnesses alongside charlatans, for want of a better word which has been evidenced for a bit so I, I don't know whether to believe him or not and it all fits into this thing of we've all got millions of spacecraft and we're all flying around we're not far from flying around the solar system setting up a mcdonald's we? with greer and all the rest of it you know what it is so i mean it could be a blackout but i can't see any reason it would be and i don't think the seriousness of which it, it was treated by the media would have would have suggested that but equally greg you can never dismiss something like that I, you know but but I, I don't think it's likely I I must be honest with you but but uh it's a bit like when Mick West, said, Mick West says it not but you're doing this but he says oh it could be that and then in the next breath he says it is that you know We're not you know you know I'm not I'm, but I'm not I know you know I'm just trying to illustrate the difference between it could be and it is if you see what I mean I mean I, but uh I think that's a really good point that you make Davy, about uh Listen to indigenous or local people because there's a history of western archaeology of reporting of colonialism. as well it's all not taking these people seriously as if there's some kind of subhuman or idiot or people to be laughed at and they've actually got the narrative and they know what's happening and these people anyway they're they're used to that environment and they knew it was well off the charts and that's and, a very uh, good
0: point yeah. yeah. that they live and breathe that environment, so they would know what would be normal, what wouldn't be normal, everything like that. Like all the the um, Native American tribes and around the skinwalkers and everything like that, they know what the land holds. Mm. They're not stupid people. They can't be stupid if they if they've been able to live for generations on the land. Uh, you know your environment. With,
4: you know, yeah. it's, it's no different from. Uh, you know, in the UK you see all the security announcers, it's like, you know, see it's eight sorted, you know, you're the best person to understand your environment. If something looks out of place, you need to let us know, like reports report to the authorities. Exactly. It's the exactly. same here. These people live here every day, they know the land, they've they've you know, their their ancestors have you know, farmed it or whatever for years and years. You've got hundreds of generations, years of generations of people living and there. So they would know if something looks out of place. I liked your um your comment greg around potential covert black program because that does kind of tie into the whole like greer thing around the breakaway civilization as well doesn't it and this sort of like advanced civilization that's breaking away uh, and sort of like easily deniable operations but you've got to ask jeff your question well what, what why were they what was their motive why were they trying to scare these people so mm-hmm. there must still be something even if it is that what are they hiding or what's there that's that work that important that it needs securing and you're worried about some villagers, you know, exposing it or something, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's more questions than answers with this, but it's it's really interesting. I think hopefully it's not the last we hear of it, and you know, someone actually can get boots on the ground and do a bit more research into it because I, th- I think it's really interesting and uh, yeah, I'm just fascinated by it.
1: Yeah, it's a super super interesting um, topic. That's one a bit different as well, which is always, always good. god, it's just like they like say, the headline it writes itself. It's just a crazy. what the hell is going on? Anything to add before we move on to our final topic by anyone? Nope. Cool. So, recently, and I think good to mention this with you two guys, with us on the the round table because there's some linkage uh, there. Our friend Paul Sinclair from Truth Proof, Truth Proof, Truth Proof, and all his work up there in the North Yorkshire. He's finally released his documentary, Wolflands, available on Amazon and from the True Proof website. Uh, I've known for on this for quite a few years. And obviously, it's based on all his research he have been doing for many, many years before that. So this documentary, Wolflands, talks about UFOs, cryptids, paranormal, and basically, around, basically mainly around dogmen and other strange things in, in that part of Yorkshire and the East Yorkshire coast and the Yorkshire woodland, the forest up there. You two guys were on, you recently did an episode about big cats in the UK, and you also talked a bit on dogs and hound, like these horror hounds, and so that being been reported for, for for hundreds of years, really, which is just linking into some of the stuff that Paul Sinclair talks about in the documentary. So, let's start with you two then. Uh, Davey, have you seen the documentary? What did you think of
3: it? I've got an admission to make. I've not seen it yet. <laughs> And I did have the chance to uh, to chat with with Paul the other week. Um, at Awakening. I think Paul's wonderful. He feels to me like the um, the next generation or the heir to the throne that was vacated by uh, Tony Dodd. So Tony was somebody I had team. Uh, I had the the fortune of meeting and and uh, chatting with many many times over the years. And there's the same sort of level of research, the same level of understanding. That 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 Paul dis- displays. Um, I'm yeah. It's on my list of things to watch. When Ash and I did our last episode on on A B and D's, alien big cats and dogs, I took the uh, the Panthera Britain documentary, so I've watched that, so I can tell you all about black cats. But uh, I haven't yet watched Wolflands by Paul. It is on my watch list. But just to echo one of the things we've talked about before. Right across the whole of the UK, there is this legend in various regions of wolf men, of black dogs. One thing Ash and I didn't discuss when we talked about this was the history of the werewolf. So there's a whole new topic there for us to, to dig into at some point. But yeah, particularly the Yorkshire Dales, there's a long history of the bad guest, which is literally the town ghost. And they're not always black dogs and they do have the ability to shape shift. They do have the ability to ch- change form. Very locally, to me, it takes the form of two glowing eyes that move across the top of the moorland, which when you look at what they, what that could be, that could simply be two orange balls of light, two spheres, two globes, whatever, you know, orbs as people talk about them now. But yeah, that area that Paul works in is, is absolutely amazing. So I can't wait to, uh, to sit down and watch it. And I'm intrigued to hear what everybody else has to say about it. Go on then, Ash.
4: Yeah I have actually seen it but as as Davey said we said we'd take a documentary each and I still need to watch the uh, the uh black cat one. So I'm going to, that's on my list today. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was really, really good documentary. Um, he released a teaser a couple of months back and I was excited to watch that. He's, it was quite a long teaser actually, like 15 minutes on YouTube. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be good. Um, and it was well worth the wait. He's been working on it for a, a couple of years now, um, with Les Drake as well. He's done like a lot of the, the filming and the production side of it. Um, so yeah, really well worth the wait. I mean, the, the, the quality of the accounts and the people he's, he's had involved in the documentary, um, and the sort of reenactments they've done. And it's just been really well done. Um, and some of the artwork as well and the way they kind of reenacted the, the sightings, it was actually quite haunting and quite quite scary in places, you know, if you're not used to this kind of thing. Uh, so, no, I thought it was done really well. Cinematography is great. Some really good drone footage as well and really built up the atmosphere around the accounts. And it's quite hard bringing accounts to life, um, you know, and, and actually making the viewer it, it, be be in 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 that moment that the person was experiencing i think paul really managed to achieve that with this film so yeah really good bit of work um i particularly like your point david because i'd written it on the notes here as well i think he's he's definitely picking up from and following on from that work that tony dodd kind of done um so you know same area same kind of incidents he's encountering it's like you know that never stopped tony dodd unfortunately passed away um but that the the actual incidents and the accounts of what's been going on it hasn't stopped it's, it's, if anything it seems to have got more prolific and obviously um paul's now in a place where you can follow on and investigate that one incident of one um account that i thought was worth mentioning because it does link to tony Dodd as well is the dorby forest incident that he, he goes into um in, in the documentary so this is basically where over a period of time a load of mannequins alleged, well a load of this is this is the official account. A load of mannequins were allegedly just dumped in the woods randomly in the middle of nowhere. Um, but other people were saying, well, no, actually, it was um, it was human bodies, human remains that were found and that they'd actually been uh, mutilated. And it was unexplained why they were they were, why they were found in that way. Uh, and allegedly there was some sort of cover up with the government and the military were involved. And the local coroner kind of confirmed that, yes, there were people that were found here over a period of time so i don't know too much more about it i need to reread tony dodd's book but i, I remember reading that in a book years back and i just thought it's interesting that paul um paul sinclair's now looking back into that because um yeah we always talk about the us and all the cover-up and everything that's going on over there but i'm pretty certain there's, a, there's probably a lot going on over in this country as well that we're just maybe better at keeping the secrets um but yeah all in all great documentary highly recommend it um yeah get out there and watch it if you haven't
1: yeah, I mean, the, the mannequin stuff is, I mean, it's creepy as fuck. And like you say, like, like what Paul says in the documentary as well is, if it happens once, maybe like someone can see mm. a bit of like an arm and report in in, please come, and it's a mannequin. Yeah, fair. yeah. But for seven, I think it was seven. Yeah, it was like seven uh, or eight.
4: Seven or eight people aren't going to confuse yeah. a human body for a mannequin, are they? Yeah, it's...
1: definitely. Yeah, it's pretty insane. And I mean, I, I'm no stranger to stand in the forest at two in the morning Calling out, looking for for dark men and stuff. who we were out there a couple of weeks ago, uh, doing a very similar thing. But what, what, what? But hearing these people talk and recounting their experiences, and some of them I knew about from Paul's talks and Paul's books. I was glad to see some of them made it into the documentary. And I was like, yes, he's covered this one. Um, and it's just it really, really is creepy. It's I, I goosebumps watching it, hearing them talk about their experiences, and I've like, got the X soldiers going there who basically like just noped out of there when they had their experiences. And it is really, really, really well done. Dave,
2: what's your take? I thought it was really, really good. See, A lot of these films uh, can be hit and miss when you see these films produced. They don't really lack a storyline or it's just not very well put together. Now, Paul himself is a really good speaker and is at his best spontaneously, I think. And he's not quite as good when he's rehearsed, but he got that balance writing this film perfectly of his excellent storytelling plus the connectedness of the story. So I thought it was great. It was like the other guys have said, it was well-filmed, it made sense. You got a sense of the history of the land and the myths and, and as well as the specific cases and the sort of journey around that bit of Yorkshire is really weird now. so He's really effective. I followed him for quite a bit. I mean, I think uh, you put me onto him, a UAP ash, I should say, a lot. I mean, I'd seen him before, but I really, because all that stuff around that is a very freaky place. Round, I mean, David, you're very near there. Aren't you? You're in the middle of it, really. But it's a very weird place. Lots of history. Now, personally, without being like a broken record, I think there's a good chase for a case for if there is something to this crypto thing or whatever. This is a perfect area for it. It's uh, isolated. A lot of the cases, Sinclair disguise, you've got the animals appearing, people being pursued by invisible forces. Uh, You've got all these different things, the red eyes, the people going through portals. It's got everything. And without having some sort of model to explain it, it's very difficult to make sense of what is bewildering. Really, Anyway, he captured that. Now, I'm not saying I completely believe that, because if you listen to DJ on the cab podcast... He knows a lot of Bigfoot people and they swear that they're all physical beings. But but to me, anyway, I thought he really captured that sense of awareness and the link to some of the military facilities and there's a lot of strange stuff. But I think there's also bases on the cliffs near that place he goes to, you know, where they've seen the sights out to sea. So I think there's a lot going on there. Anyway, I also thought that they also hinted in the film at this abduction phenomenon. They didn't want to go too far now because that was linked to the mannequins, wasn't it? But I do think it is a bit of a theme as well. Where do people go to? And we look at that David Palides work in the states about people going missing, and you do wonder to what extent it is an unreported phenomena and what's happening. And that certainly made me think about that. And uh, yeah, so I thought it was—I uh, thought it was really good—and I think the connection to that made a connection to the crypto profile is pretty strong but whatever is happening I'd really recommend it was a great film. I would say I'd also recommend your episode on the mechanism lads. Now don't brush but that on the big cats was really well done because it's a difficult topic, lots of different things and where do you stop? And you guys really covered it well. And funnily enough I listened to that and then I watched Paul's thing and it really went to go together well because where you sort of stopped are just about to start. He started, and it, so it really went to go. So it was great to see those two things come in the same week. Just as a, from my personal perspective, but yeah, he's done such a good job, Paul Sinclair, and he's really important. And yeah, Yorkshire could be the mecca for all that is weird, wonderful, and maybe the answer in
4: some ways. You know,
3: the mecca of the mechanism. Ah, very good. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he's he's all over it tonight, isn't he? <laughs> Thanks for your kind comments, Dave. Appreciate that.
2: Oh no, you've. I just wanted to add
4: as well. I think I think Paul's left it open as well. I think you know, there's. I've got his books and everything. I I think he does some great research. Um, but the Hummabee incident, for example, is an amazing case, and that wasn't even featured in that film. Um, and again, you were talking about the missing people and all that kind of stuff as well. So there's so much stuff that we know Paul like is into and investigates that so wasn't even featured in that that documentary. So I, I hope that it spurs him on to. You know, release more documentaries and focus on some of those amazing cases in more detail. Because the Hummerview one is is phenomenal. Um, highly recommend. It, type it in and go and check it out on Paul's Paul's site if you're not aware of it. But it's it's an insane case. Uh, you've got everything from poltergeist activity, UFO landings, is military cover up involvement. You name it, it's, it's all in this in this in this one area. So um yeah, hopefully some more interesting stuff coming from Paul over, over the next months and years.
1: Yeah, definitely. I believe he is starting to record more fans too. Uh, as well, like like what's interesting as well. Obviously, the big focus is on the, the dogmen, the werewolf type mm. of law. and a lot of the places in that area. The all, all the, like, the forest names and the village names, all like all like Latin or whatever for where the weird, weird thing <laughs> human you mentioned then, like goes back to it's recorded in Doomsday Book in 1086, and that comes back to the meaning of houndsmen and leads to the hunting of wolves in the Yorkshire world. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few where it all translates into like wolf man or like big dog hounds and stuff. It all ties in together that for hundreds of years, this is the place where these things have been, been seen and been getting reported. And you mentioned missing people. Um, I the UK, like to, like missing 401 in America, tens of thousands of people got missed like every year in the UK. Um, and a lot of people end up in forest do end up in forest being found and stuff and it's is the connection on that side of it as well do we need to do a like a thought i missing 411 uk version is that what paul could lead to something like that where because in, in his books just talk about a lot of missing people strangers appearances people disappearing and turning up days later <laughs> well having been a <laughs> former
4: police officer and involved in missing people investigations and having several weird experiences where people have been found myself which i haven't got time to go now it could be a whole episode um then I, I would i would agree with you on that ash definitely you know that the cases are out there these things are happening they're just not being reported they're not being picked up on and no one really knows what to do with them you know what what you do when you found someone in a situation how, how how do you deal with that there's no there is there is no one you can call to deal with that um, so, yeah, I, th- I think we are missing a yeah, UK 411 equivalent.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, the, the thing is, that you've got your ass to believe with all the, the level of them, but people just think, I know people do do this, but people on mask, all right, I've had enough of my common life and just disappear into the sunset. No, and nobody, I mean, I can't believe it's that common, people doing that. I know they do do it, but but the can is, well, that's, they're adults, what can we do? And people, we just choose to believe that's happening. But when you start to think about it, because I've been thinking about it myself recently, it doesn't really feel as if it's likely, not in that level of frequency anyway, you know. And it's. Uh, I think that's brilliant, missing a British equivalent of that. That would be really good. And uh, Paul would be the person to lead it, definitely. I mean, yeah.
1: Anything to add before we wrap up? Cool. I think going back to your episode, ABC, uh, ABCD, they've done the mechanism. The ending of that podcast was the highlight uh, for me. <laughs> we got a big shout out for uh, Minicon and our suit panel. Yeah, cheers. Guys, I was driving along. I was like, talking about me, talking about my
3: <laughs> podcast.
4: Sorry, <laughs> oh, yeah. the effort you put into it. And yeah, we're looking forward to it forwards
3: coming. Absolutely. I just echo that. You know, we are we are huge fans and followers of, of both the Minicod and, and Pursuit of the Paranormal. So, you know, we're we're buying it up here joining you. So thanks guys. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise.
2: Yeah. I I think it's just worth reflecting before we go, but we're in we're in a bit of a calm before the storm, really, I think. I think it's all gonna kick off again. I think people have been so used to having great stuff all the time, but the minute we have a bit of a setback, we think it's the end of the world and I think it's just going to ramp up from here and we just sort of a bit become, we just need to be patient really because it's sort of all happening and in a way, what is surprising is the pushback has been so rubbish really to be honest with you and uh, so I think, I think there'll be many on the round tables to come I think we'll be reporting on different things, I don't think it'll be a straight progression, it'll keep exponentially increasing, but I do think we will start to see that progress again. And it's all tied to the Congress. That's the key for me. That's the only key that will unlock the door of secrecy on me. Amazing. Amazing.
1: So, uh, yeah, as we wrap up, uh, Davey and Ash, do you want to plug your podcast a little bit? Where can we find you guys and what are you called?
3: I'll let Ash answer that one. He's always better at giving out the podcast details. Before he does that, though, I will just say we've we done our, our last episode was on ABCs. Our next one is going to be on one, two, threes. I'm not going to tell anybody any more than that, but you can start trying to guess and work out what we're doing in terms of one, two, threes. Ash, over to you, mate.
4: Yeah, so um, if you did want to check us out, um, we're on all the main podcast platforms uh, the mechanism uh, if you want to reach out to us on on x I keep on twitter x we're at the mechanism pod and you can also email us as well uh, the mechanism pod at proton dot me
1: awesome well thank you guys ash you've been on before Well, thanks for joining us again on the round table davy great first time and we hope to have you on again soon davy uh dave
2: as always It's been a pleasure. it's It's been great. And can I ask if people aren't sure about the crypto thing, myself and Greg did a Pursuit of the Paranormal episode a couple of weeks ago, and it sort of goes through it also. If you're not sure about it, you can listen to it there. I only wanted to not, but you know, I just thought people might find it interesting. No, that
4: was a really good episode. I can vouch for you, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I think the way you, you structured it and everything—it was—it was really, really good. Thoroughly really enjoyed listening oh. to that. Oh, thanks. On my idea. dog walk through some scary, scary woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Oh, thanks yes. a lot. That's
1: really good. one. Yeah, and Greg. I will see you later.
0: Oh, All right. Can you find <laughs> me? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. No. Okay, we we've got uh, we've got an episode of a program coming up that we filmed about a week ago, which is coming out in the next week or so about Delamere Forest and oh, CE five. Ah, excellent,
4: interesting. Uh, more forest connections, love it. Mm-hmm.
1: Which also has had a lot of dogmen reports for going back to Roman times, so very mm-hmm. interesting. Wow, yeah. uh, so well,
0: that's looking brilliant. forward to that. Don't worry, we'll spam it out, so, <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right, so
0: well, until okay. next month, we shall
1: see what happens in the next few weeks, and we shall see you all later. Have a great evening.
2: So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Cheers.
4: The UFO Roundtable.
0: table. The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal
3: podcasts.